And we are back. Welcome, everybody, to a new year, a new episode of the Gourmet Goober podcast. I'm your one of your hosts, JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober. You can find me on Twitter anytime at JJ Outlaw. You can find me on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Um, and as always, I'm here every episode with my BFF, my co-host, my hubby, um, that dude. <laughs> I just ran out of ways of introducing you. Of course, T Outlaw. No, no, keep going with the superlatives. <laughs> I'll take those. Yes, that's that's me. I am T Outlaw. Big Daddy. That dude. Uh, you can find me on the social media terms at T Outlaw Twitter and on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells, like the movie. Yes. You can also, um, if you are so inclined, find us on the Facebook. Although, again, I say this every episode because even though I work in social media and partially with my jobs, Facebook is not my favorite thing for a multitude of reasons. But we do maintain a Facebook page. You can go to the face. I'm sorry. You can go to the Gourmet Goober blog on Facebook because we started off as a Gourmet Goober blog. Um, now, what, seven years ago? Yes. Wow. It's been such a long time on the net. Um, you can always email us at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And if you are so inclined, you can go to um, YouTube and find our distributor, Plum Good. That's P-L-U-M-G-O-O-D-E. And you can catch episodes of the Gourmet Goober podcast on YouTube. So we are basically everywhere you want to be. That's right. It just sounds so sexy. Yes. So sexy. So we are back after taking a holiday break, a much needed holiday break. And so for our listeners out there, um, we are so very grateful um, that you guys have reached out to us and, you know, let us know that you missed us and things like that. That's really cool. We're grateful that you gave us the space and grace to take that much needed break because we're old. Yes, we're old, as Big Daddy always likes to say. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, this is going to be the Danny Glover podcast of, of me saying that I'm too old for this shit. Oh, that's right. Because over our holiday break, and we normally in our first segment talk about how's our week. But since we've been gone a week, we're going to tell you how's our break then. Um, but yeah, during our break, Big Daddy celebrated a birthday. He's a Christmas baby. <laughs> I'm an old man. I sound like Linda from Bob's Burgers singing everything. <laughs> jazz hands. No. Jazz hands. I did jazz hands actually. Okay. <laughs> so happy birthday to my one and only love, Big Daddy. That's right. Happy birthday to me. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. 2020 vision. <laughs> so am I able to tell people how old you are or no? No. Okay. Well, we're just going to say that. <laughs> I am younger than dirt, but older than uh, Kardashian, maybe. Wait, did you say younger than dirt? I am younger than dirt. Okay. I thought you said you're younger than Dirk. <laughs> no, I'm not younger than, your, you know, your bae. <laughs> no. Dirk Nowitzki is not my bae. <laughs> However you want to play, you know, <laughs> you're fancy. But no, uh, yes, I am, I am in my mid-40s. But yes, I I did turn another color. No, you didn't turn another color. You turned another year old. On the shade of things in life, <laughs> I turned another color. <laughs> okay. 
It was a slight change, but yes, I, <laughs> I, I grew older. And yes, that was my time away. It was a time of reflection. And as she spoke of so eloquently earlier, a time of re- rest. Because the body at mid-40s kind of tells you, hey, you know, you, you ain't clubbing no more. You ain't going out and acting a fool and eating all the crap that you should have or would have been eating like 15 years ago. You know, all those like, you know, hot sauce dinners and all those late night meals, they're not going to get it anymore. And it's time to really change and adjust some of the things that you eat. So part of it was rest. Part of it was uh, sampling new dishes, but also learning to kind of beg off some of the ones that I may have eaten in the past. So how was my break? It was a break of trying to adjust things and get them right. Okay. Well, I, for one, am just really glad um, that once again, we were able to celebrate your birthday. That's always a good thing. And like I said before, my hubby's birthday is on Christmas. So for me, it's always just a special present to be able to do that. Um, this year, we actually spent the holidays, which I'm so grateful about. Um, I actually got a few days off from work. Yay, because my work experience, and I'll talk about that in a moment, has been insane. But that said, um, so happy because of the fact that we got to spend it with my family. And we live up in the Chicagoland area. Um, Big Daddy's family, the majority of them live in a different state. Um, the majority of my side of the family lives in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I was born and raised. And so it's always a rare treat when I get to go home to Indianapolis because even though Indianapolis is not a utopia, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's it more than cornfields. <laughs> Don't get me started. It is a, a place of joy for me because, like I said, you know, so many of my friends from home and my family, they all live there. And it's always great to go back and recharge my batteries there because it. It's definitely a different pace than Chicago. And even though I love Chicago, there are times I need to be reminded I'm a Hoosier girl at heart. So going home, it was really great. I got to see all my siblings. You know, I got to hang out with um, my mom and dad. Um, They all celebrated Big Daddy's birthday as well, which was really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And And they gave me a cake. Yes, they actually got a cake. And a really good cake. I give <laughs> I give credit to my mother in law for making a really good cake. Not only that, but my mom made like this brisket that you were loving on too. I just want to get that out there. We don't talk about my mom very much on the podcast because she has made it plain. She's a very private person, and although she supports what we do, she doesn't necessarily want it to. Don't put her name on, in, out on social media at all. Right, but that said, she really does love. Um, to make certain things and her brisket is really good. And she was excited to make a brisket for big daddy. Cause she knows how much he loves brisket. So it was really important to her that she liked it. He liked it. He did. So I did. that was kind of sweet. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. It was good brisket. I is got- it as good as my brisket? No. Is it as good <laughs> as her, like her brother's brisket? No, but it was a very good brisket. No, my, my uncle Ray Phil makes a brisket that it's like life changing. It is really good. Big daddy keeps threatening to, 
to like drive down to Houston and like put him in a room and force him to give him his secrets because you asked and he didn't tell you. No, you know. <laughs> That's okay. I'll still get time. I got Uncle time. Rayfield makes a hell of a good brisket, I have to say. Yeah, we're gonna get a good Texas brisket going. I'm yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my hands on them and get that brisket off of them. No. Well, and we had fun on the way down to Indianapolis to celebrate your birthday too. I mean, <laughs> we took a road trip down in a car and we sang a lot of songs. We sang a lot of ridiculously bad music. And seriously, one day we're gonna have our own XM radio channel because we we listen to XM way too much to the point where at one point my XM went down over break. Like it there was like a satellite off link and I was on my way to doing some errands and it was like really quiet in the car. So I'm like, oh, okay, well I'll turn on the radio, right? And so I'm listening to regular radio and a commercial comes on and I was like, what is this bullshit? <laughs> I've heard XM so often. I forget that Reco Radio has commercials. <laughs> I never pay attention to that. I was like, how dare you interrupt my Bon Jovi with this ad for Best Buy? <laughs> mm. But seriously, if you think about it, we listened to, like, what was it? Like, um, Rock the Bells Radio, the LL Cool J channel, and. Yeah, XM Fly. And XM Fly in the 80s Soul and the channel. And we listen to them so often, but if you think about it, there's no commercials. I, I, huh, I never really pay attention. I mean, I think it tricks you into thinking it because the BJs that are on, they usually like introduce the songs. Okay. So you might think that's a commercial break, but it's not. Hmm. So I'm driving along and I'm like, the hell is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. This is how regular people listen to the radio that don't pay for it. Huh? I feel like we are bougie. Yeah. <laughs> we have become buppy with our XM radio usage. We have. I've discovered that over our break. That was one of the many things that I discovered while we've been away. The other thing is <laughs> during our trip, which I thought was kind of funny, was during our trip for your birthday. Um, Oh, just to see your family. And just and to see my family, of course. Is we had a very interesting discussion on okay, one of the songs they played was they were playing like New Kids on the Block, I'll Be Loving You Forever. And two things mm. came to mind. One, I'm really ashamed how as a woman in her mid forties, sometimes it's hard for me to remember what I wore yesterday. But damn it, I can remember every word of a new kid song like that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thrown by this, but yeah, like a I middle, yeah, <laughs> a 40 something year old woman who looks like she's 30, uh, <laughs> having her new kid's life over here. And I'm thinking an African American woman just going crazy over this, these old new kid songs don't was just me. blaming me because I'm like, I was like, I was like, totally into new edition and i get it but at the same time she was really <laughs> no she was having like a moment with the new like this new kid song i'm like okay we're at a rest stop and thomas is like he's like are you gonna like leave the car and i'm like no 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 no. the song is still playing and i'm singing at this rest stop on our way to my parents house and you're looking at me like seriously you're getting your whole life yes i am Without shame. <laughs> Without mm. shame. Let me just say, no shame. 
<laughs> but then we got into a discussion over, like you said, new kids over new edition. And I did listen to both. And then you asked me this question about who was my favorite new kid. And I had them in order. And, and then I said something that shocked you. I said that you asked me about Danny Wood, one of the members of New Kids. And I said, well, he doesn't rank. And you're like, why? And I said, well, when I was growing up where I lived, and this could be totally different where you were, mm-hmm. but where I was a, a girl in Indianapolis and I was in junior high when the New Kids first got going, nobody had a crush on Danny Wood. Like Danny Wood was he who would not be named. <laughs> so basically, dude was like persona non grata. No, no one liked Danny. I mean, Danny was a good enough person, and I'm sure he, you know, we found out that he was like a choreographer and stuff. But mm-hmm. no one, no one wanted. Like when we had spirit days, when we were supposed to wear our new kids' gear to school, nobody wore Danny Wood shit. Nobody, no one I liked did. Danny. Wow. And so then T came up with this theory. That's right. That was me. Why did you explain it? The theory is hilarious. No, my theory was, okay, <laughs> in studying, because I, 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 just first and foremost, am I a new kids aficionado? No, I have nothing to do with this. But my theory was, as I was studying this and like paying attention to how she was explaining this, is that I have this random memory for like trying to know the names of every group, whether it be rock, soul, boy band, as you will. And as I was like running down the list of members of new kids and their, I don't know, likability or whatever, somehow we got to Danny Wood and my wife just let me know that Danny Wood was probably not the most, I don't know, doable of the group. Maybe he wasn't the most personally beautiful looking okay. of the group. Stop, stop. Let me just say, keep in mind, this is as a fort. Oh. A prepubescent, horny, 14, 15, 16-year-old, okay? <laughs> so my idea of doability back then is obviously different now, although now I have to say Danny's not doable. So that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you're saying that your theory is in a group of three or more. <laughs> okay, so basically this led me to the great concept of uh, in most music groups, as you will, male and female, that in a group of three members or more that everyone has like, you know, your lead singer and you have your guys who are like, as you say, choreographers, guys who are basically the most business-like of the group, the bad boys, the ones that are like, as you would say, teen heartthrob, but the little youngest one, oh, the little cutesy ones, but somehow there's also the Danny Wood, the Danny Wood, the group who you kind of look around and say, you're here because dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and it's one of those things where if you really look at every single group of three members or more. There's always a Danny Wood. There's always a Danny Wood-like fellow or female who you kind of look and say, you're here because what? You basically are there to hold the bench down you're the one who basically is carrying the bags to the car or you're the gentleman who like holds like you know who who does the mic check while everybody else is like you know eating their Popeyes it's like okay my dad has this theory 
when we watch basketball together, there's always someone who is the in-guard and tackle. And we say basketball because I don't watch football anymore. But even when I watch football with him. Even though that's a football terminology. Yeah. So basically the in-guard and tackle is the person who sits at the end of the bench. He guards the water bowl and he tackles a water bucket and he tackles anyone who goes after it. And I'm not saying that Danny doesn't contribute anything. I'm just saying, as I explained to my husband and my youthful self, and all of my girlfriends agreed, Danny was just there. I mean, he didn't really have a fan base amongst our group of friends and people at our junior high. Um, no one at Stony Brook Junior High wore his buttons or his gear. There was no one that, that just went hard for Danny. Danny was just there. I'm sure Danny was a perfectly great singer, and he has really fine qualities. Mm. But, you know, to a horny pre-provescent teen, pre-teen and teenager, he was just sort of there. Even mm-hmm. Jonathan Knight, who, in hindsight, we didn't realize that Jonathan Knight was gay. Not that that's a problem, but obviously our love would have been unrequited is what I'm trying to say. Even Jonathan ranked way higher than Danny because Jonathan was just cute as hell. And mm-hmm. he was a good singer. And it's not like Do- Danny wasn't a singer. It's just, now that I think about it, there was no songs that highlighted him singing. He never took front and center on a song like Joey or Donnie did. I mean, he was just kind of there. Mm-hmm. He's the Danny root of the group. Yeah. Literally. So then we went into this discussion that got ridiculous. Over who's the Danny Wood? <laughs> In every group. <laughs> so, like, the Spice Girls. Okay. The Spice Girls, um, Victoria Beckham was the Danny Wood. In fact, she actually said at concerts they would turn off her mic. Mm-hmm. So she was not actually singing at the Spice Girls concerts. And again, this doesn't mean that Victoria wasn't adorable or anything. But Victoria was the Danny Wood of the group. She was there to be the socialite of the group. But yeah, right. in terms of her performance, like on stage with the group, she was just there. Right. She even admitted that she was just there. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why she refused to go back for um, the Spice Girl get-together. Because one, she's making gazillions of dollars with her you know, design line. So why would she bother? And she's married to David Beckham. So I wouldn't leave home either. Yeah, so but, basically she turned out to be the most famous of the Spice Girls, but not because of her singing and or performing. So therefore, she is the Danny Wood. Mm-hmm. So then then we started talking about like modern day like boy bands and stuff. And you or my husband, it was hilarious. He was able to pick out in all of these groups who's the Danny. Yeah. Like I you know, some of the new because like I admit I don't listen to a lot of groups past like twenty or 2006 or five or whatever. But yeah, a lot of the groups, like, trust me, you could, if you really think hard and you and analyze every group that you have grown fond of as, you know, a teen or whatever, if you really think about it, you have to look at one member of a group of more than three <laughs> And say, like, really look at them really hard. Like, analyze every member and say, which one of you is the Danny Wood? So, like, a new edition, who was the Danny Wood? Who did okay, I know, we, I know we went over this, like, a few <laughs> times. And I was like, you know, you had your guy, like, okay. So, we knew that Ralph was the lead singer. And we knew Bobby was the bad boy. And you had three dudes in the back. And we, I mean, I know we kind of went back and forth. Okay, 
Ryan Ubel was the tall choreographer, but like, you know, he was the skins and, and dip. Then we had, uh, I'm sorry, Ricky Bell, who, you know, basically was like the third lead singer. And there was like, you no, know, you know, when they formed BBD, like, you know, basically he came to the front being the lead. So and then, there, then it became Mike Bivens, who was like the most business-like of the group. But we kind of had to say, was Mike Bivens the only one of this group? And see, we got into a conversation because I think in New Edition, Mike Bivens was the Denny, Denny Wood. But when right. they formed Bill Viv DeVoe, I say Ronnie DeVoe was the Denny. No, Ronnie kind of could, I don't know. Well, okay, wait a minute. Ronnie, okay. Okay, Mike could rap a little bit, but Ronnie could. Uh, okay, Ronnie Debo, <laughs> Ronnie Debo, Ronnie Debo could dance. How's that? <laughs> My man Big Ron could dance in there, you know. So Danny Wood could dance. So we have determined, scientifically speaking, Ronnie <laughs> Debo is the Danny Wood of the group. But could, yeah, but could Danny Wood really dance, though? I don't, okay, maybe he was a choreographer. Okay. There's always a reason, like, we don't always know why he's the group, but we know that he's in the group because he makes the group, like, glue. And that's the thing. There's no shade to, like, Danny Wood and or Mike Bivens or any other members of this group. We just don't, as from, like, you know, surface level, we just can't determine at that moment the reason you're in the group. There's probably a big reason. You're the probably the person who keeps the fight from going off. Like in New Edition where there was like a fight every weekend when there was like six of them. Yeah. But yeah, there's a reason that you're in the group. We just don't know exactly what it is from surface level. Okay. From the get. So, wait a minute. With the modern boy bands, because you know more about them than I did. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, no, no, because we had okay. a conversation about which boy band was Justin in. Justin Timberflake? Yes. Uh, NSYNC. So, didn't we determine that one of them was the Danny? Oh, damn. I wish I could make Justin Timberlake the... the, the I know Technically, what he Technically, he's not the Danny. No, he's not the Danny in the group. He's he may probably be annoying, the, and he's problematic, and we will forever think of him as problematic because what he did to Janet Jackson. But, but we won't go into that. Mm, but technically, he was not the Danny Wood of the group. Oh, that's right, because we were busy. Okay, NSYNC. I had to go back and remember this. Was okay. Joey Fatone part of that? Joey Fatone was a member of NSYNC, and I think it was him and Chris Kilpatrick, right? Chris oh, yeah. Kilpatrick, yeah. I think so. Because there was like these two slightly chubby-looking fellows in the back. No shade to them, because I'm chubby as hell. But um, the concept of which one of you was the Danny Wood of the group, I think they were basically swapping back and forth. Like, no, you're going to be the Danny on like, you know, tonight. I'll be the Danny tomorrow. <laughs> and then there's like Justin over here who's like you know with them jean suits but yeah I, basically Kristen and Joey were like uh, they were they were switching the roles but yeah they were two members in the back just kind of like well <laughs> yeah so in NSYNC then we had what was it in uh, oh god the Backstreet Boys and you know more than, more than I did okay yeah there was I, the, I stopped listening at yeah, that point <laughs> There was like the Backstreet Boys. There was the old fellow in the back. You well, know. I think, I think scientifically speaking, whoever is the oldest or looks the oldest, because no one is ever fooled by the old person pretending to be a teenager. I think we can all agree on that. Like <clears throat> when we were kids, there were groups that were out there that 
clearly this was an old ass adult trying to play out like he's 18 or 17. That person was the Danny because you weren't fooling anybody. Okay. <laughs> the promoter may have thought you fooled us, but you didn't fool us. You were the Danny. Yeah, there was somebody in the, I think in every boy band group, there's always like that one older fellow who easily, you know, if you're young enough, he's the one who was old enough to like, you know. Have like get, a kid and buy cigarettes. and. Yeah, he was the one that was helping them buy cigarettes and alcohol. <laughs> yes. Who was the, you know, one that was able to get carded and or when they were old enough, you know, to have like a little bit of money. He was the one who was like either doing the business transactions or make sure like, you know, they had. Their 401k set up, like, you know, make sure the money was going to the baby mamas. Right. He was the Danny. And or the jump offs. Yeah. <laughs> there was one that had to do the financial facilitating, like, you know, was the financial manager of the group. <laughs> yes. That was that. The Danny Wood had many other functions. Yes. But it was not performing. And, okay, if this ever gets back to Danny Wood, I'm sure he's a nice person. And he is. But, no, I'm sure he's a dope fellow. I love to even, hang out with him. But even now, like. I, I was watching Wahlburgers the other day, and I think that's what ultimately got us on this, like, spirited discussion on the drive to my parents' house. Because he's appeared on the Wahlburgers show okay, with Donnie going out to whatever they do. And even now, I'm just like, oh, poor Danny. <laughs> <laughs> so you would still not have a fan base amongst us all. Was it the fact that he just aged well, or was it just like the fact that it was like, well, it's Danny Wood? I think it's a little of both. Wow. Because even now... Come on, shots fired. Because <laughs> you, you would even ask me, like, that's really harsh. And I said, well, I was like, you know, if for those of you who are out there, especially those who are females, and you know... Going through puberty is rough on anybody, but if you're like a prepubescent or puberty-stricken female, those hormones hit you hot and heavy, and those like crushes feel like real crushes, right? Mm -hmm. Like seriously, real crushes. And so, you know, the feelings that we had for like these boy bands, and they know this. The people who promote them know this. That's why. They're careful not to say, oh, they don't have girlfriends or significant others because they know that, yeah, part of selling the records is their music. But part of it is just playing on understanding psychology and young adolescent girls and those intense first feelings of like unrequited love and things like that. And it's all sold together. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you look at how they were packaged, they didn't spend too much time on Danny. Because they knew Danny was just there. <laughs> Serious. There was, I remember those posters that were in Bop magazines. No one had those posters hanging up in their, of, of Danny and their lockers. And so, was and you Danny were just. Was the best dressed in the group? <laughs> I, look, we just didn't pay Danny no mind. Okay. <laughs> so Big Daddy was like, damn, that's harsh. Do you feel like that now? Yeah, Danny got no play. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm a grown-ass woman, so I don't feel the same as I did when I was a teenager. But yeah, I did see him on Wahlburgers recently. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God bless Danny Wood. So anyway, my concept of, yes, in every group, male <laughs> or female, the, of three the, members or more, somehow... There seems to be a Danny Wither group like in Destiny's Child. It was like this big rotation of people 
who probably were in you know in their own rights like pretty decent singers. But we determined that poor Michelle would be the Danny of the group. Of the three. Of the three. Even yeah, though Michelle this is like, amazing. Yeah. yeah and I think the yeah, mass singer, which we'll talk about in a moment, proved that. Right. And I hope she knows that. But amongst the three, the, even the way they promoted, Michelle was kind of the Danny. Yeah, she was kind of forced to be that person. But then, of course, she had, like, you know, there was Farrah before her. Yeah. Yeah, Farrah was Danny. And then before that, there was, like, when there was the initial, like, you know, boom of Destiny's Child, there was Latavia and Latoya. And they were all the Dannys. They were all the Dannys. But that was, like, because there was, like, this big shine of Beyonce and Kelly was, like, right there. Right. So, yeah, no shade to them because they all were amazing singers and performers. But in terms of, let's say, Destiny's Child. Michelle listed. And all of them were the names. And I love you, Michelle. I love you a great deal. That being said, somehow you were forced into the role of the Danny Wood of the group. So, shout out to the Danny Woods of the world. God bless you. <laughs> 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 so outside of talking about that on her drive that actually led to a discussion that we are still having over does the danny wood theory apply to other things and then we started talking about the avengers and you got mad oh lord because i said that hawkeye is the danny wood of the group of the avengers of the avengers yes because think about it in the grand scheme of things his only power is being able to like shoot arrows. He's he doesn't have super strength. Yeah, they say he's in peak physical condition, but so it's the same as I don't know, like an NBA player at their peak physical condition who just happens to be an archer. Mm-hmm. Against Loki and some of the villains, seriously, you would take him out first. See, I stand by that. I personally think Hawkeye is the Danny Wood. I think I offended you and put you in your feelings when I mentioned. I don't even know if it was like apples. Of, I don't even know if it was an offense. I was just. I don't know what made me like get my my the hairs on my back up to like want to like have to defend a comic book character of which I only know so much about. But I was like, you remember this group? You know, you're out there like you know with the Thors and Captain Americas and. Iron Man, and you're out there for a reason. And then you got this dude with a with a bow and arrow. Like, really? What are you going to do? Yeah. That's why I couldn't get into mm-hmm. Arrow. I was just like, really? At the end of the day, if someone has a phaser or, like, superhuman strength, they're not going to be scared of you have a little bow and arrow. So you could <laughs> shoot them really quickly. I was, like, trying my best <laughs> to, like, try to defend him. I'm, like, pulling out articles from Wikipedia, like, you know, fan... <laughs> sites and whatever like i'm trying to defend the archer here but well <laughs> i did my best like i did my i put, tried to pull out my best debate skills to save hawkeye in this mess with you know the you know the little blurred over here uh <laughs> she was raising her belief that yeah hawkeye was a useless fellow amongst the avengers okay so anyway that just gives you a peek of what we talk about when we drive to Indianapolis, we've got three hours to kill. So us being us, that's what we discussed on our break trip. Um, It wasn't all talk about Danny Woods and Hawkeye though. Um, I personally really loved this time off because it gave me a chance to get some much needed rest. 
Um, especially without going into a lot of details at work, there's been a lot of transition. Mm-hmm. So um, just within the past month since we've been off, um, we've had two people quit my department. Okay. And so what was a department of three is now a department of one being me. And that has been very stressful. In fact, um, I just had a meeting with like the executive director on Friday <laughs> this week who basically said, um, don't quit. <laughs> she literally said that to me. What can we do to support you? Because we don't want you to leave too. Which is always a bizarre situation to be in, you know? And um, so, yeah, this has been just the most stressful time for me in terms of what I've been doing and getting things together and trying to figure out what that looks like in the middle of that. I've been still writing grants, which, by the way, let me just toot my own horn. Um, there was one grant that I turned in, and then I asked for 10000 and we got $15,000, which is fabulous. <laughs> mm. So Congratulations. So even in the middle of all of this, I've been able to keep my focus on raising funds for my organization, but it's been tough. So even though I love doing the podcast and everything else, obviously having this time to recharge really gave me an opportunity to just kind of revisit myself and talk to Big Daddy about our goals for the podcast and everything for the year. Have much needed arguments apparently about the role of Hawkeye and the Avengers and who's the Danny Wood. <laughs> and other food related matters. And other stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. But even more importantly, um, I'm just really grateful for the time that we had because it gave me an opportunity to really kind of reset. So <clears throat> all jokes being equal, thank you everyone for just understanding our holiday break and we're really glad to be back. Um, couple other things before we um, maybe take a quick break for the next segment is while we're on break, there was some things um, that happened um, that I know that we talked a great deal about. And um, rapid fire order good. <laughs> that we wanted to touch base on. One is, um, and this is kind of a wrap up from previous podcasts that we had talked about, is the mass singer wrapped. Oh, yeah. Jennifer, while we were on break. Yes, Miss J lost her mind here. <laughs> Because yeah, she got me a di- like got me involved. Like, was I originally coming up to the concept of the mass singer? No, no, we're like addicted now. Literally, I was like sitting here, like <laughs> I was like in blip and like oblivious to it. Had nothing to do with it. I was just kind of going my best life. It's not like you know I follow like you know the voice or American Idol or anything like that. But yeah, somehow in the middle of the night, this started off with a whole in the middle of the night wake up call from my wife saying, "Hey." Is this Patty LaBelle? Is this Patty LaBelle <laughs> behind this mask? Uh, I don't know. And somehow it developed into, oh, now I have to like pay attention every week during this, pro- like, you know, during this, uh, I guess, season incarnation of, okay, who is this person? And where is it? Like, okay, is this really that person? No. Is this not this person? And then, like, the judges, like, go all over the place with, like, there's always that one judge that kind of knows what it is, but, like, they're always thrown off by the other three who basically are, like, saying all kind of crazy stuff. Or, like, who is this crazy person now? But, yeah, somehow I got involved in this. 
Yeah. Well, since we've last recorded um, the Gourmet Goober podcast, the um, the first se- or the second season rather of the Mass Senior had concluded, and there were certain revelations that we had talked previous on the show that I was proven right. <laughs> oh, she was. She did a dance. <laughs> I and, did like yeah. a little happy dance, like I told you so. Dance one was, and <clears throat> again, Thingamajig was in fact. Victor Oladipo. Of the Indiana Pacers basketball team. And again, there was just so many clues that were out there. And I got to say, when I came home to Indianapolis, that was like a big topic of discussion with my family. Mm -hmm. Because believe it or not, there were a lot of people in Indianapolis, and I was surprised, who had no idea that Victor could sing. Which is strange, because he is sing on, he is singing at Pacer events. Mm-hmm. He has sing at NBA events. He has a whole last ch- YouTube channel of him singing, and he put out an album. But still, there was quite a few people, even amongst my family, who are all basketball fanatics like I am, who was mm-hmm. shocked that he was um, the person. But the revelation was really cool, and it was funny because I'm thinking in my head somewhere like Larry Ingram was probably like watching the program, be like, "Oh my god, just shut up and dribble." <laughs> We won't talk about that because okay. obviously I we have feelings about that and this is not that kind of show. Sorry, but, continue. But yes, but he was revealed to be the thingamajig. The other person that I was right about was um Adrian Bailon. Yes. Um and by the way, I guess now I should probably say spoiler alert, although it's been over for almost a month. So if y'all haven't seen it by now, that's not my fault. But I'll put the spoiler alert like I have been in the show notes. But Adrian Bailon was revealed to be the Flamingo. Yes. Which was rather interesting because for two things. Oh, wait. Can we go back to Victor Oladipo for a second? Sure. Can we talk about the fact of all the judges on the Mass Senior, the one person who got it right and guessed it on the final try was Ken Jong. Yeah. Dr. Ken somehow was able to pull it deep, deep, deep from Dr. I'm sorry, from... Mr. Uh, what was the dude's name? Leslie Chen. Right. Yeah, he was able to pull that deep, deep, deep from that, that orifice and able to tell us that, yeah, he knew beforehand that anyone else, that it was Victor. And while was everyone shocking. else was just like completely like off the base. Yeah. Um, Robin Thicke kept insisting that it was Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. Because he's like, yeah, he's the tallest man in music. But I'm just like, no, it's not Montel. But Robin Thicke has a problem with wrong guesses. And we'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I guess Ken John is like a really big basketball fan. Who knew? Mm. And he knew that Victor Oladipo has a wonderful voice. And he just like pulled that from nowhere. And the whole crowd was like, damn. <laughs> but he was right on the money. It was Victor. So shout out to Ken- Dr. Ken for getting it. But then going back to Adrian Bidelon, yes, almost everyone guessed it was Adrian, except for at first Robin Thicke, who of all people insisted it was Fantasia Barino. Bur- uh, and one, oh boy, he's on tour with Fantasia. He knows that's not Fanny's voice. Of all the people, look, uh, for those of you out there who are listening who are not familiar with Fantasia, just Google her. One second of that woman's voice and how she sings. It's like Patti LaBelle. There's no way she could have hit that. Even in a even in an outfit, you would know that's her. 
And yeah. she would be wilding out crying in behind the outfit, like you would know. But every week from every week for weeks, every episode, he would guess, oh, that's Fantasia. And I'm just like, no, you know that is not no damn Fantasia. <laughs> he had to come up with something. <laughs> He went way beyond with that guess. He couldn't probably uh, guess from the clue packages, you know, he was having a problem sustaining someone that he... But he's on tour with her. He should know her voice. Unless he's just high-high every every concert. But wasn't part of this, you know, (laughs) this whole thing was masking your voice also? Yeah, but come on. It's like Patti LaBelle. There's no way Fantasia would be able to mask her voice. Yeah, there's no way to mask Patti LaBelle's voice. No. I'm sure, yes, Fantasia along the same vein. No, I don't it's think It's very she... hard to mask yeah. it. Yeah. That being, yes, that it being Adrian Bailon of the TV show The Real and formerly of the Cheetah Girls and such was uh, an interesting revelation. But yeah, Robin Thicke did have an issue trying to get it up, to, uh, get <laughs> to the point. Yeah, I was really, really surprised by that. Um, mm-hmm. But probably the biggest surprise was not the winner, although we'll talk about that in a moment. But who came in second place was oh the no, dog. the dog. Um, and that was Chris Dotry because I bet he had me fooled. Mm. Yeah, I had absolutely no clue. Even when they took the mask off, I was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> no, it really blew me away. And part of the thing is that he very successfully sang different genres of music than what he was known for. Mm-hmm. And the voice was so rich and soulful. When he took off his mask, I was like, damn, really? That came out of you? That's like a John B. kind of thing you pulled off last week. Really? Mm-hmm. That was you? <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. So shout out to Chris. I didn't know mm-hmm. he had it in him. <laughs> Apparently he didn't either from his response. So, yeah. <laughs> so- I give him credit. But yeah, but the winner, and you actually named this because we were going back and forth. At one point, we actually thought it was Jamie Fox. Yes, but it was actually Wayne Brady. Let's make a deal. Apparently, he made a deal, and he really went deep. He has one of the greatest abilities to change vocal stylings of anyone. I mean. Whether or not you're in the music business or show business entertainment, yeah, being able to say, "Okay, damn it, I'm Wayne Brady, I'm Wayne Brady, bitch," just saying that yes, he was able to go all over the place and still do one of the best jobs singing and or performing. And excuse me, and I was just amazed. But yeah, towards me, I was like, I couldn't pick Fox because. And we just knew it wouldn't be Jamie Foxx. It would be too easy well, to just say it was like, you know, Jamie Foxx underneath the Fox mask. But it's like saying Snoop Dogg was under the dog mask. But no, well, we no, knew it wasn't. But No, because his vocal, there was a couple weeks he was singing that it really did sound like Jamie Foxx. Yeah. But yeah. then again, that's the brilliance of Wayne Brady because he's brilliant with impersonations. Yes. He was also great at masking his voice, but also at the same time, he did so many different genres of music within, at one point, like even in the finals of like rapping, 
that oh, you that were like, me off. yeah, that you were just so thrown. Like if it wasn't for the fact that we knew that we had to find someone who could go all over the place. Like, you know, even like when we were talking about what, what was the one that ended up being um, the performer seal? Oh, the leopard. Yes. Which again, I was so sure that that was Billy Porter. I, I almost secretly wanted that to be Billy Porter because I love Billy Porter so much. But yeah, it wasn't until like we got to the end that we were like, oh yeah, huh, yeah, we can Little hear like it. His voice was like, <laughs> and you would think because of like you no know, mask unsealed, you would think that seal like his voice is so definitive. But yeah, underneath the mask, you just weren't sure. Yeah, yeah. So it was very odd. But yeah, like being it, it being Wayne Brady underneath, you know. The mask was so tremendous, and I give him great credit because I mean, he's one of the. It proved to me he's one of the greatest overall performers in entertainment right now. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I was really happy that it was him because I have known for a long time because I love musical theater, and Wayne Brady has done a lot of great musical theater from Hedwig and Imagine and. Hegwish and the Angry Inch. Hegwish and the Angry Inch, exactly. Um, to he he was even in Kiki Boots too, right? Yes. Yeah, and so both are really great musical plays. Which, if you've not had a chance to listen, like I've not had a chance to go and see them both on Broadway, but I love the play so much that I've heard, um, like the original um, recordings with him on it, and it's just been really impressive. And then when you see. Um, how quickly he incorporates music to even in his daytime job let's make a deal I mean it's clear to see like Big Daddy said that he is definitely one of the most versatile people but again because he's so known for being funny there's other aspects of his talent that isn't well known Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully a lot of people will have the opportunity to kind of you know check in and check out some of the things that he has done musically speaking, because he is incredibly talented. And I think that's sometimes a problem with people who are musical or just such talent chameleons, you know, people who have like multiple things behind their names, like, you know, singer, dancer, actor, whatever. Um, It's hard sometimes for people to pick out multiple parts of their talent that they can do really well. Um, But yeah, of anyone when I said earlier about who the hell would be Patti LaBelle, I have to say he's probably a worthy winner, isn't he? Not to take away from Miss Patty's voice, because I would never do that. Or Seals. Or Seals. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he so encompasses everything that you're supposed to get from the mass Singer, and certainly his talent ability and the ability to, like, you know, adapt to different styles and mask his voice and do impersonations... I couldn't have think of a, I I can't think of a better winner than Wayne Brady. Okay. So I was really, really impressed. No, it was very entertaining to watch and you think about it. If you really think about it in retrospect, you think about it, okay. So you have people who are whole ass singers who like made millions of dollars as singers like Patty LaBelle, like Seal. And they were outdone by guys like, I'm sorry, even of Chris Daltrey. And you would think that they were outdone by a cheetah girl, by Wayne Brady, 
by a basketball player. And you're like, on a television show, and you're like, how does this happen? I guess that's when you realize that, you know, when you're underneath the mask that, yeah, there's more to the criteria of this show than just, okay, I could show out and I could just let my voice, like, be the flame. I guess it took more than just, you know, showing up and, like, letting my voice do a thing. Because, like, with Pale Bells, we talk, spoke about being, like, having them sing songs that were outside of their, I guess, vocal hit range made them a little fallible, as you will. Right. And you say, well, huh. And you were out down, but, like, you know, because these were, like, whole-ass singers who did, like, who have made millions of albums and toured the world and whatever, but like, yeah, we're all done by, you know, just other people. And that's when you learn that. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you're great at what you do, but sometimes like when you have to go into like, I don't know, doing country or hip hop or jazz, scat, blues, um, I don't know, show tunes. Like sometimes it takes a different kind of, person or a performer to do things to win and i I think that's maybe part of the greatest joy of watching this show is one and i admit part of the reason why i got sucked in even though i normally hate reality shows and reality show competitions is because part of it i'm a competitive person by nature so the idea of being able to figure out the clues and guess who they are that to me is almost bigger than the performance themselves, but the discover people have brand new talents. I mean, yeah, I knew that Victor Oladipo can sing, but talking with my family, especially my brother, who was like really, really shocked and, you know, almost excited to know that one of his favorite basketball players has this brand new side gym. He didn't know before. That's kind of cool too. And I can imagine for the audience who's not as aware, you know, discovering that about someone you thought you knew, which you never really know them, but you kind of, with the way that social media and um, media in general cover celebrities, you almost feel like you know them, mm-hmm. but to be exposed to this new side of them, it's pretty, it's been pretty fun. So like learning about Dr. Drew and the fact that he has a background in opera singing of all things, sure. you never would have thought that. So that has been part of the joy of watching the show more than anything else. So if um, just to wrap things up, if you are interested um, anyone who's listening, there's going to be a season three of The Mass Senior, and it's going to debut on February 2nd, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, will be, you know, watching with the rest of you. I'm, I'm thinking about live tweeting to why I think it would be fun. So that'll be something that we all have to look forward to in a couple weeks. Cool. So we are going to take a moment to take a break. Um, and again, thank you guys for joining us after we took a little time off. And when we return, we will go into our pop culture segment where we talk about the intersection of food and pop culture um, called What's Eating Us. And you're listening to The Gourmet Goober. We'll be right back. Wait a minute. I'm thinking in my head that I think they should have a thing on the mass single part, like, you know, season three with, like, Diana Ross and Tracy Ellis Ross, like, (laughs) underneath bats. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. See, I'm trying to hook y'all up. I'm thinking that will not work. Okay. I tried. (laughs) So we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) My big daddy tries to figure that out. (laughs) You're listening to the Gourmet Goober. We'll be right back. 
Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Lorano. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. All right, no team has reached 300 points, which means we're going to sudden death. Give me Logan. Give me Eve. All right, real simple. There's one question, only one answer. Whoever gets it, you're playing for $10,000. That's it. Whoever guesses this wins the game. Here we go. Name Popeye's favorite food. Chicken. Show me chicken. Spinach, Sherry. Everyone, we are back. <laughs> this is JJ Outlaw. And I'm T Outlaw. <laughs> and you are listening to the Gourmet Gooper podcast. Don't worry. Um, don't adjust your sets or smartphones or anything like that. Um, that clip that you just heard, we decided to start off with that clip because it's our like favorite thing in the whole world this week. And we thought it what fun way to start our segment of pop culture that we generally call What's Eating Us. So if you're unfamiliar with that segment that we just played and opened out um, with, this is actually a clip that is going viral, super viral. And it's of a recent episode of The Family Feud that airs in Canada, where if you're not familiar with Family Feud, basically there's two families, they go together, they answer trivia questions. Um, and what happens is if they're tied or they're close enough where they have to wrap out the game, they play a segment that's called Certain Death. Um, Sudden death. death, exactly. Where they get one answer, uh, they get a question, they have to get the number one answer, rather, and then whoever gets the answer wins the game. So if you heard um, that clip, I'm serious, I've listened to that clip at least seven times in the past two days. It makes me laugh so hard. Where this poor lady from Manitoba, Canada, is asked, what is Popeye's favorite food? And of course, we all know, if you're familiar with Popeye, it's spinach. That's right. When you have <laughs> Popeye, it's, you know, that sailor man who loves his spinach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she got a little into her feelings. And the thing that she heard in her ears was the chain restaurant Popeye's. And well... She reacted as such. <laughs> Playing this clip does not even give it justice. I'm serious. If you haven't seen it, please Google it. Because at one point, she is so confident about her answers that she did a little dance at the buzzer. <laughs> it was hilarious. And then there's like the second of, from her teammates, I was like, oh my God, we so don't know you, girlfriend. And that's the thing about... <laughs> 
a family feud, whether you hear it in America, most likely with Steve Harvey or uh, in past episodes, like with other hosts, is the concept that every once in a while, when the question is introduced, maybe you don't have that second to really listen to all of the answer. I'm sorry, all of, yeah, all of the question. So thus, she reacted because it was sudden death and she had to get to the buzzer quickest and maybe she didn't quite think about the question. Or maybe she's just as, maybe Canada's just as obsessed with the Popeye's chicken sandwich as we are in America. Ah, Christmas. <laughs> Because she, she went right for the chicken. And I'm sorry, I can't blame her. Because if you follow pop culture, if you've been alive during 2019, the one takeaway you came from is the Popeye's chicken, chicken. sandwich. <laughs> ah, Popeye's wins again. So Popeye yet again gets free advertisement as this goes viral, of course. But for those of you who are concerned about her, just know there is a happy ending. Um, because Adweek recently posted on their website, once the clip became viral, Popeye's agency Gut Miami pitched the idea of giving her a thank you gift for the free advertising. And so the brand just tweeted out a couple days ago that our survey said that you got that right. DM us to claim your $10,000 worth of Popeye's. So wait a minute. If you win the 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 family feud, like if she would have gotten the actual question right, what would they have won? They would have won $10,000. So basically Popeye said, hey. We're giving you the equivalent of chicken. Giving you the equivalent of chicken. Well, I really hope they like the chicken. Look, I hope her family likes the chicken because clearly she does. Yeah, because I'm thinking the rest of the family is like, so we're getting in on this Popeye's chicken, right? It's not going to be just you. Exactly, because seriously, you cost your family members $10,000. Of course you get the, the Popeye's chicken. <laughs> you don't keep that for yourself. You cost them $10,000 worth of money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Someone Steve Harvey is like, listen, player. <laughs> you know you're going to be sharing this with the group. Because you can't just be rolling up with that little sassy and you have to do a dance and make us look like fools and not share the chicken. <laughs> Oh, my God. I have to say, when I saw that clip, I thought two things. One, I'm not following her, okay? <laughs> I agree with Popeyes. That's not necessarily the wrong answer, but I know that's not the answer they were looking for. <laughs> no, and it's really a funny thing because if you think about it, if you think about it, the show was about, you know, Popeye, the Sailor Man, the cartoon, which is like, but the question is formed as in, Popeye's favorite food. Exactly. And then you think about the actual restaurant. Is it Popeye's with the apostrophe S? It's Popeye's chicken and biscuits. That's right. So technically, she was not wrong. She was not wrong. (laughs) It's not Popeye's spinach and biscuits. Let's be clear. That's right. Even though I like to say for the record that even if, you know, the nice people of Popeye's chicken and biscuits offered her $10,000. You know, as I look at this group, it would be really interesting if they're all like, I don't know, vegan. Uh, that would be, oh my God. What? <laughs> that's true. Okay. So that's, 
good point. If you won $10,000 worth of Popeyes, right? Well, first of all, no, I don't think there's any vegan food at Popeyes. Because even like, like the chick, well, I guess they could just eat they could the green beans. Them. They, they, can eat they the can have biscuits, lots and lots of biscuits. But yeah. I think the biscuits are made with lard. And if the biscuits are made with lard, then that has beef byproduct in it. Yeah. At the same time, what's to say if they just don't like Popeye's chicken and biscuits? Oh, I think if if someone costs me $10,000, right? And my answer, oh, someone's answer, rather, cost me the chance to eat $10,000. Oh, I'm going to like the Popeye's, okay? I'm going to get 10, 000, my share of $10,000 worth of something. I, I don't know. I'm thinking of what does like a, a Manitobian, a Manitobian family, what would they think? Oh, we well, lost have, because of you. They now have Popeyes we're in chicken. Manitoba. No, I'm sure they do, but well, <laughs> clearly they think. do. She knew about it. <laughs> well, we can't tell what they truly think. Well, we don't know what that particular family's fave is, but yeah, I, I, I bet by the end of the day, they better really come. With, and like Popeyes, because that's what they get. <laughs> yeah, and somewhere like <laughs> KFC is like, how come we couldn't come up with a good Kentucky Fried Chicken sandwich? Look, we've talked about that on previous shows. They chose; it was their choice to put Cheetos on their damn sandwich. That was them. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should ask them. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, my heart goes out to her. I'm glad that she got that. Um, but yeah. Um, Do they get the Migos meal? <laughs> Well, you know, with $10,000 worth of chicken, you could technically get whatever you want. Mm. And the Migos Mill is popular in Canada. I mean, you can only get it by delivery in America and Canada. Mm -hmm. Which, again, it's kind of shame because I know that we have some international listeners now. In fact, just as a side note, we have a lot of listeners now in, like, England and also in Germany. So... Hello, Germany. Hello, <laughs> England. Guten Tag. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, but, Bonjour. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I know that's French, but That's still. French, but we do have some listeners in France, too. Yeah, bon the bon gourmet bon. goober is global, y'all. That's right. Bon <laughs> bon but, um, but, yeah. Um, my oh, second thought bon. is, how if you were given $10,000 to spend at Popeye's, like, how long do you think it would take you to spend that? How long would it take me to spend $10,000 at Popeye's? Yeah, because I'm just thinking, I mean, God forbid, you don't eat Popeye's every day. So I'm just thinking, how long, like, if I, if we threw a family reunion and it was catered by Popeye's, even then, it wouldn't be $10,000 worth of chicken. You haven't seen my family eat. <laughs> okay, maybe... You know, maybe my family down south, because my mom's side of the family is really big. No, I've seen your family eat. I've seen them eat at steakhouses. I, I think it wouldn't take a tremendously long time. So, what, a year? Two years? I think it would take a couple years. It's been no. 10,000. Oh, you're talking about personally, or are we talking about as a family? Well, it's a... Okay. Maybe it's a family, because I think personally, it would take me a long time. That would be seriously... Like five years at least, even if we had Popeyes once a week, you wouldn't go through all of that in like five years. Cause that's a lot of chicken. Me personally, like us as a couple, maybe 
two years. No, we don't spend we don't spend five thousand a year at Popeyes. No, but we don't come close. (laughs) No, as the potential of like receiving this gift from the company. Oh, yes, I'm willing to eat it a lot. We're going to eat a lot because that means. But then we'd get sick of it. (laughs) Okay, I'm allowing for the you know the continuation (laughs) of. We're not going to eat every day because, yes, we will get sick of it. But, yeah, for us as a couple, I think two years, us as a family, if we take your family and my family together, that's like, what, two, three get-togethers? Because I'm sorry to tell you, baby, we are not skinny minis. And our family, we get together and we get down and we eat. Well, here's something that you may want to know, and okay. this actually leads to the next segment, because one place that you apparently, at least according to Google, that, um, well, you know, this is wrong. There actually is a Popeye's in London, um, in the United Kingdom, but it's not as plentiful as it is in the United States. And that, of course, is in London and Europe and places like that, even though it's a global brand. Okay. My understanding is there's not a lot of Popeye franchises in the U.K., Um, And my UK listeners, let me know if I'm wrong or just give me a heads up. But um, that said, maybe that's why (laughs) one of the many reasons why that going to our next segment that Harry and Meghan um, has made a decision to divide their time between the UK and um, North North America, America, being Canada mainly. Um, But yes, um, one other thing that hit this week (laughs) Sorry, I'm still thinking about the how long it takes us. It would take us to eat Popeye's chicken. We would just be eating it forever. Um, but um, Harry and Prince Harry, or is he technically a prince? Is he? They're like Duke and Duchess. The, Duke and Duchess is like an abomination of like an it's an assignment. Yeah, he is Prince Henry of Windsor. Whether no, I think was well, no. Which one is Windsor? Uh-huh. I know it's like Prince Charles, then his two sons, which is the older is William, the in succession to the throne, and the younger son, who will never see you know the crown unless everybody drops off, is the one in question, Prince Henry, who we call Harry. Well, actually, his title is officially Prince Henry, Duke of Sussex, Sussex, not Sussex, sorry, Duke of Sussex. Um, Duke of Sussex, um, and that was a title that was given to him right before the marriage. What are you laughing at? I'm laughing just how you get the word Sussex out. It sounds so many different ways. It's the Duke of Sussex. <laughs> I didn't say suck it. Yeah. Although that's what he told his royal family this week to do. Well. Yeah, just suck it. Because basically, in a nutshell, if you guys haven't heard, um, um, earlier this week, after coming back from a, a small break from their family, um, Harry and Meghan put out a statement that basically said that, you know, they plan to step away from their senior duties at the royal family. They would like to transition to a different role. And in doing so, they're going to remove themselves from being publicly supported and to a role that's financially independent and basically dictate their own lives. Now, this sounds like a personally rational thing for me. I mean, they're a young family. Mm-hmm. Harry has gone on the record as saying, you know, some of the toll that the role Rhoda 
Um, and we'll go over that in just a minute because it's kind of a weird way that they covered their um, royal family in Europe and okay. in London. Um, but it's, you know, he lost his mother, um, Lady Diana, Princess Diana, when he was very, very young. He was only 13 years old. And so he has gone on the record as saying that that has affected his, you know, emotional well-being. And he sees a lot of the ways that they treated his mother and how just the paparazzi and the English press over there has just been unrelenting towards Princess Diana. He now sees that in the way that they treat his wife, Meghan, um, the Duchess of Sussex, not second, <laughs> Sussex, and how it's even worse, in my opinion, because a lot of the reporting has taken a decidedly, in my opinion, a racist tinge and how they just go after her. Um, the people who they've allowed to speak publicly, like there's a woman over there named Katie Price, who's just the worst. Okay. Um, how for many things that she's done that just seems like normal, they have gone after her with a vengeance that they didn't go after Kate, for example. Like they even wrote an article about her touching her belly too much. Like you're pregnant, dude. If God for God blesses me and I get to have a child after, you know, so many years, yeah, that belly's going to be front and center every chance I get. Ding, you're going to see it in every picture. No, <laughs> just me no. showing showing you my belly. Um, but yeah, they went after her on that. Apparently, her favorite treat, for example, it's like avocado toast, and they accused her of like funding like militias and things like that. I mean, it's just militia over avocado toast. Oh. I'll I'll show you the article later. It is just ridiculous. I guess someone had mentioned that Megan really loves avocado toast. And so there was this really nasty article that is Megan's love of avocado toast funding like death militias and things. I mean, it was insane. And it just got to the point where in a recent interview, Megan admitted that it's taken a toll on her well-being. And so Prince Harry seeing this and seeing the um, similarities between how his mother was treated and now how his wife is being treated. Harry was like, deuces, we're tapping out. So they just basically told the royal family, look, we're, we're just kind of stepping away. You do you, we do us. We'll see you at Christmas. <laughs> but it and now everyone yeah. is going insane. But it wasn't a full abdication, right? No, I mean, here's the thing. And you can actually check it out yourselves. They have... Apparently, they put a lot of thought into this before they decided to uh, make this public. So And make a put a lump of coal in England stock. <laughs> exactly. There's actually a website that they have actually created that goes over in explicit detail how they plan to step away, how they plan to um, basically still support um, the family and the 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 crown okay but at the same time they're like they're saying you know what we're grown-ass people and maybe we should have the right to decide how we live our lives outside of this fishbowl that you have shoved us into and said take it or leave it we're deciding to leave it um the website which is really carefully thought out it's called sussexroyal.com and you can actually go on there, and there's even a spot where they even break down 
okay, this is how much financially we get from the taxpayers, which I think it comes out to like 5% of their expenses come from the taxpayer. Everything else comes from a trust that was established um, that he gets through um, his father, um, Prince Prince William. Uh, no, Prince no, Charles. Charles. Yeah, Prince yes. William's his brother. So Prince Charles. Um, and they're just basically like, hey, look, we just want to support the things we support. We're tired of the way that we're being treated. This is important to our well-being, and this is why we're doing it. Um, <clears throat> so for me over here, it seems like a personally rational thing to happen. But as you can imagine, everyone is thinking this is like World War Three, like yeah, over on the pond, like on the other side of the pond, this has basically become suffocating uh, type matter that they're they're all in their free ones over there trying to figure out. Oh, I don't understand why or how they would believe that this is a good thing. This is terrible. We don't know how to take it. They are just spitting on the throne. The queen mom does not understand this. And we are not feeling this, and we just feel that she is just she's the Yoko owner of this group, okay. not to spit on Yoko. First of all, where did you get the English accent from? <laughs> I borrowed it from Madonna. <laughs> Madonna gave it to me. <laughs> but or then, was it Tina Turner? One of the two. <laughs> hey, Miss Turner has earned the right to have whatever accent that she wants. Yeah, okay, so Madonna. Miss <laughs> anyway. <Ms>. Tina. <laughs> but yeah, um... Part of the reason why they really want to go is that there's something that's called the Royal Rota, as I mentioned before. And this is actually something that's unique to how they cover um, people or the royal family in England. So what it is, it's a pool of journalists that have been handpicked from British newspapers. So it was established more than 40 years ago as a way of giving UK and print um broadcasts media exclusive access to what's going on with members of the royal family. So think of it kind of like the equivalent where, you know, there's that pool of reporters that follows the, the white president. house yeah, yeah, and the white house. So it's sort of like that only exclusively tied in to um, the royal family. So anytime there's any type of statement, any type of announcement, any type of, activity or things to be done, it's filtered through these group of um, journalists and yes. pool system. But because it gives them preferential treatment to certain British publications, and it's kind of the way for them to exclusively filter out the media, on one hand, it does sound like it would be a reasonable thing to do. But on the other hand, because of that, what happens a lot of times is that it kind of gives them carte blanche to act a fool. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Shade whatever matches they like. Um, and I think for Megan especially, they found that to be really kind of suffocating to the point where didn't they sue like a couple of tabloids because the Royal Rota decided to go after, or no, no, there's certain members of Megan's family. That, uh, yes, basically became low-hanging fruit. And the Royal Rotors have just been following them, which is ridiculous. Yeah, apparently parts of Miss uh, Miss Markle's family did not get on the Act Right program as 
sustained by Megan's natural mother. First of all, can I just say as a side note, can we talk about this for a minute? What the hell is wrong with her her father's side of the family? Why can't they just keep... People, seriously, Mm -mm. why Mm -mm. can't they just keep their mouth shut? No. They saw, you know, (laughs) people came in and said, you know, shoved a microphone in face from wherever they were and said, hey, talk about Megan. How do you really feel? And they, they saw, ooh, pain. Or they saw, hey, maybe Megan wasn't being as, you know, as nice to us as, you know, they want her to be. You know why? Because y'all go to the media and you fuel a lot of things. Like, she wrote her father this really lovely letter saying, dude, can you just, like, not spill our shit to, like, the English press? And then what did he do? He gave the letter to the English press. Yeah. <laughs> she told you what she needed from you. <laughs> and that's the thing. It became, like, such an easy target for her because she became such an easy target. But the thing was, it's like, do I love every member of my family? Yeah, but I don't like, you know, talk to every single member of my family every day. And just the fact that they weren't getting the right shine at that moment lent them to run to the cameras or the microphones and say, hey, this is how Megan really feels about me. And my thing is, well, that's great and all, but no. Just go ahead and just give it context. Well, here's here's an example of why they want to step away. So, remember what I told you about the avocado toast? Correct. It was actually an article that was in the um, Daily Mail newspaper. Um, actually, almost a year to today. It's like January 22nd, where they said that she, the Duchess of Sussex, has been praised for being you know, making the royal family more culturally aware of, like, human rights abuses. But then it says how Megan's favorite avocado snack is fueling human rights abuses, drought, and murder. That good, huh? Seriously. I And on one hand, I, I see what they're trying to go with that, maybe. But... That must be some hella good avocado toast to go through all that. And Meghan Markle basically started all this. But the idea, because the original article um, actually has this, like, if you Google it, it's ridiculous. It's literally they had these pictures of, like, these people with masks on holding guns. And I'm just, and they tied it, like, had the picture next to her. And I'm just thinking, really? There's so many different ways that you could maybe tell people. Maybe not hit the avocado so much, as opposed to tying it directly to her. Very I mean, good, huh? just articles like that, which, again, you and I, without going into a lot of details, I studied journalism, broadcast journalism for many years. And so even though I ultimately turned away from a career in that path for my own reasons, um, I have been I am aware of how imagery that we show in the media can basically color how you can affect someone's um, identity, like it can be used to malign an entire group with B-roll and things like that. And you work in the media too, and so this is something that you're aware of as well. So whether or not their intent was to paint Megan as the bad guy with this article, but basically the way that they did everything, it kind of makes it seem like, again, she's 
the big bad and everything she does is wrong right down to her avocado toast. And that nonstop portrayal of her is just being this evil baddie that just took Prince Harry when we all know the reason why she's being painted that way. I, I don't blame them for wanting to walk away from that. Okay, well, true. Here's I've been holding on to this for a while, and we have discussed this before. My view, whether it be through media or whether it just be through my general eyes, is that, yes, is all this suffocating? Yes. Is Megan like, being put forth because she is one, an American-born lady? Of divorcee. Who is a divorcee? Who is, let's call it what it is, as we speak of the racial overtones, her mother is African-American. Her father uh, is uh, Caucasian. But more importantly, yes, she's a 37, 38-year-old young lady who is, you know, who actually has fame in television shows and I I assume movies. Um, But yeah, it is the ugly American who came over and found the heart of Prince Henry nay, Harry, and basically has become part of the royal family as the mulatto granddaughter of the queen. And now everyone's losing their mind. Now, my belief will always be that, yes, is all this unnecessary? Yes. Is this all just because they're just focused on low-hanging fruit? Yes. My thing will also be that knowing all of this before they got married, this is what they knew some of this was coming, maybe not to the extent of someone who was a traditionalist like Prince Catherine. I'm sorry, Princess uh, Catherine, who is British, who, as far as I know, like, you know, come from good lineage. And yes, you know, did all the nice, prim and proper things. She had to go through a conversion also. But Megan, who is older and more seasoned uh, and worldly, as you will. Kind of should have known a little bit of this was coming. But at the same time, no, I'm just saying, is all this unnecessary? Yes, but well, it is what it thing. is. And you're not the only person who said that she had to know what she was getting into. In fact, in that interview that she um, talked about her struggles after having Archie and being a new mother and having to deal with that in the press. Mm-hmm. She even said that a lot of her friends from England and overseas told her not to marry Harry because she would be subject to just a lot of um, just needless media coverage that didn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, so is it I mean, what would be the solution for that? Should she have never gotten with him? Because that's kind of a cruel thing to say. She obviously loves him. They have a little boy, Archie, who is just so damn adorable. I mean, on one hand, yeah, she could have known that this was coming. Maybe not the tsunami of bad press that she got. But is it really fair for her to say that, well, this is your fault and you shouldn't have married him? Because... How dare we dictate what her happiness looks like? Everyone has mm. the right to be with someone that they love. I mean, no, I, yeah, I realize I mean, that. Just to make yeah. it personal, um, remember, and I, I wasn't really planning to talk about this, but remember when you and I first got together years ago, and okay. I told you how some of my family members 
was aghast. And my dad's side of the family, the bougie ones that I don't talk to anyway. Because they're just like, oh, you're marrying someone from Gary. And they had this like idea of what Gary, Indiana was and how everyone from Gary were, I mean, just, they just said the worst things. Like they thought you were a gangbanger. I'm like, dude, I met him in college. G.I.? <laughs> He's a college yeah. graduate. His mother worked in. <laughs> there are, yeah. And there are other people from Gary, Indiana. Yeah, there, who are, you know, good, upstanding citizens who have gone on to do great things. Exactly. Michael Jackson notwithstanding. But, like, you have, like, Michael Jackson, too. Educators in your family and things like that. And, and if you would go, if I went on that scenario of I know that I would still get shit from my family and how dare I be with you. If if I followed that same line of log it, log, log it. <laughs> Logic. From, yeah, from suck it. <laughs> Lock it from suck it. If I followed that same um, line of logic, you and I wouldn't be together because I still get crap from my family because they're bougie as hell, some of them, and they just want to look down on anyone who doesn't fit their criteria, which is funny because I'm like, y'all have no place to be bougie, but any step in imagination, just saying. Yeah. Not even close. <laughs> But the idea that they would look down on someone. So does that mean that you and I shouldn't be married? Because we're going to be celebrating 15 years this year, you know? Yeah, but we're not being chased by, you know, the British <laughs> press. <laughs> well, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing that we all have to understand as grown individuals that, and I don't mean to go you know, low with this, but at the same time, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them all, and then you have the facts of life. Did you just put the facts of life? That's right. I whipped it. <laughs> I whipped it in there. That being said, <laughs> no, it's the concept of, yes, she knew what she was getting into in part with when she decided to take this road. That, But, yeah, if they're willing to weather the uh, storm that that is coming upon them within reason, they get to make these adult-like choices and what they reap from it, then they reap from it. That being said, come on now. I've been I've been holding this back for so long. I am working on my plan. Oh, that's the, right. <laughs> that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce that if Prince Harry and Meghan <laughs> have made the decision that they're going to distance themselves from the British, you know, they're doing their Blackxit Brexit, as you will. I would like to say that the nice people of, because they said they uh, they have friends in Vancouver, and they're, they got some extensions in Toronto. Um, but I'm saying that if they want to have a little time in America, since Megan has a background from Chicago. Oh, that's right. She went to Northwestern, right? That's right. She has a Northwestern right. education. <laughs> I would like to say to the people of Chicago, the Chicago administration, especially uh, new mayor Lori Lightfoot, that they should come out with a proclamation and welcome, open arms, everything. They don't have to come during the winter because right now during the winter it's a little fuzzy. It's a little freaky down here and it's cold, but that their summer home, they should come to Chicago. Embrace the Chicago way. Become the Duke and Duchess of, of Chicago. Of Chicago. <laughs> not Sussex. <laughs> Chicago. You know what? I'm I'm not mad at that because right. 
first of all, okay, this is our pitch to Harry, Prince Harry, and um, Meghan Marco, Duchess Meghan. First of all, the food is way better in Chicago than. Um, um, okay, let me take that back. Because again, we do have English listeners, and I do happen to love a good banger and mash. There's a place in Chicago you can go that's really good with that. See, there you go. You can hook up in Chicago. Bangers so, and mash. So that's it. You can always get your bangers and mash here. And we do have several places I can recommend that can go for high tea. But I'm serious. It's, you'd probably, it'd probably be hard for you to get a good deep dish, a good Italian sausage, or Garrett's popcorn where you are. Why aren't you trying to get them hooked up on some Harold's chicken down from the down south side? Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Harry, you could be the Duke of Harold's chicken. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you can experience what Peter Sagal of Wait, Wait, Don't Care Lee just experienced for the first time, which is a shock because he's been here for 22 years, the glory that is Harold's fried chicken. That's right. Not Popeye's, Harold's. Harold's. <laughs> Harry, come, come join Harold's. You can experience all the great culture events that Chicago has over over the summer, like the Taste of Chicago, Jazz Fest, Blues Fest. There's like a multitude of things you can do. That's right. You come can hang out that. at Lollapalooza. That's right. Come join one of the Obama kids. That's right. I know that you are very close to Barack Obama and his family. And mm-hmm. just so you know, Sasha has made many appearances at Lollapalooza. She well, can show Sasha you around. Malia. Which one is the younger one? The youngest is Sasha. Okay, so it's Malia. Malia Obama has been seen for the last couple of years over at Lollapalooza. She mm. can show you the ropes. And you know, recreational marijuana is also now legal. Oh, that's right. In the city of, I'm in sorry, Illinois, in the state of Illinois. Recreational marijuana has just been legalized. So Not that after- I'm feeling endorsing it, but at the same time, it <laughs> is now legal. You can get your munchies on and your weed on. In one place, and no one will judge you. That's right. So that's come join us. <laughs> so Harry, Megan, our door is open. Please join us in Illinois. <laughs> you also get to enjoy American baseball and American football. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, the Bulls are there, but it's <laughs> perfect. Hey, Bulls, Bears, <laughs> Cubs, <laughs> White Sox, that other team. Anyway. We mm-hmm. can help you pick out a baseball team. Yeah. So. I don't know if I can imagine, like, you know, Prince Harry in the in the bleachers yelling out, who sucks, Coco sucks. I'm sorry. I'm saying right now, Harry and Megan are both down, down as hell whites, um, White Sox fans. They're Southsiders. Because look about it. Only a Southsider could stage the exit that they're doing right now, where they basically just said deuces and tapping out. That's mm. a South Sider mood if there ever was one. Oh, good Lord. You got to admit it. That's a little weird, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. So to wrap things up this week, now that we've made our, belo- our our pitch for Harry and, and Megan to join our beloved city of Chicago, um, the last thing that was eating us this week is that if you haven't heard, the Consumer Electronics Show yes. was taking place this week. Um, and if you... Don't know what that is. It's actually a show that um, has been around for quite a long time. In fact, the first ele- consumer electronics show was held in 1967, which is surprising. I didn't know it's been around that long um, in New York City. And so oh 
the show um, was recently um, held in Las Vegas, and it's known for breaking out electronic things, right? You know, yeah. just innovations mm -hmm. um, dealing with like, you know, new cars and new um, tech that people are going to be using. They use it to roll out apps and things like that. But more and more, believe it or not, the Consumer Electronics Show, or SES, it's just now being called, is being known for rolling out food items, which I didn't know. So this year, one of the biggest things that was actually introduced was a new form of the Impossible Meat Empire. So you mm -hmm. may have heard that there's like Impossible Beef, and we've talked about that with the Impossible Whopper and things like that. Yes. Um, so now they rolled out something that they're going to be testing that is called Impossible Pork. Wait a minute. Impossible Pork. Impossible Pork. How can you make pork impossible? <laughs> so it's designed to look, cook up, and taste just like pork. Um, the Impossible Pork, um, which they introduce, um, <clears throat> is made up of plant proteins which the main protein is soy, but also with sunflower and coconut oil as fat sources. Mm. Um, and it's actually... Mm. <laughs> it's actually made to be both um, kosher and halal certified so that everyone can use it. And it's going to be in a ground way, um, ground consistency, if you will. Okay, ground so, pork. Right, so it can be used in any recipe that calls for ground pork. So they are planning to roll out this um, substance, which they call Impossible Sausage, later this month, and they're going to do it in five test cities. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about that? What do I think about that? Yes. Excuse me, as I get up on my, my pulpit, my platform here. <laughs> <clears throat> from, the, from, the, from the good pulpit. Of Reverend Teal. I would like to say that <clears throat> I'm always up for something new. I find this quite interesting. But at the same time, this is an aversion. This is a detriment. I don't know how to feel about this as they are rolling it out. I think the nice people should be rolling it back, rolling it back in. I find this to be a little crazy. <laughs> they need to calm this down. <laughs> They are taking this way, <laughs> way, way too far. <laughs> this is just an abomination. But no, basically what I'm thinking is, okay, I'm always willing to, because I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about uh, Impossible Whoppers, as you will. Which you totally ate and loved. I did <laughs> eat, and I loved it because, you know, the nice people of Burger were able to, you know, grill that bad boy up pretty good. The few that I had were really good. So I'm willing to try it, but make no mistake, as a person who loves pork, who really gets down for a good thing of pork, not so much ground, but has used definitely used ground meat or ground pork in so many different recipes that I'm a little concerned. But at the same time, you know, is it going to burn the same? Is it going to have the same kind of uh, texture? The right density is going to have like, you know, is the flavor when it's like, you know, taking up to a certain temperature. Because, you know, 
when Piggy goes down and Piggy gets really hot, Piggy squeals. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, when soy meat goes down, it kind of turns a little rubbery or it may turn a little flat. So I want to make sure that I'm not going to have like, I don't know, eggplant Piggy. I'm a little, I don't know. Well, first of all, again, it's not eggplant, it's soy. But it's interesting you said that because soy, oh boy. I looked up the the comparisons between impossible pork and real pork. And it's kind of interesting. So first of all, impossible pork has less calories. So real pork, and they're comparing like a 70 to 30 pork blend um, as far as fat is concerned. Mm-hmm. But um, so 70, 30 pork has 350 calories versus impossible pork, 220 calories. Impossible pork has less fat, 13 grams of fat for the impossible pork versus 32 grams of fat for the real thing. Um, Impossible pork also has um, almost as much protein. So 16 grams of protein for impossible pork. The real thing has 17 grams. It has more iron, which is good for me. Um, so it's 2.7 milligrams of iron for impossible versus, um, one milligram of iron for the real, but here's the kicker. And this is something that everyone, especially if you're like me and trying to watch your salt intake, this is something you should know. Okay. Impossible pork has 420 milligrams of sodium. Ta-da. Versus only 80 milligrams of sodium for um, regular traditional pork. pork, yeah. So it ha- think about it. It has almost four times as much, more than four times as much sodium in mm-hmm. impossible pork. So that's a real problem. And so that's something that people need to think about because, yes, on many levels, plant feeds protein is healthier. And in some cases, healthier for the environment, too, because it's easier on the environment to raise um, or to create this substance as opposed to raise pigs who use, you know, water and use um, grass and things like that. I mean, all the things that, you know, raising livestock, um, all the many ways that raising livestock affects the environment. But on the other hand, you really have to watch because a lot of times people don't think about sodium. And when you think that high mm. blood pressure is such a silent killer, especially okay. in certain communities like ours, I mean, that's a really big takeaway. So is the health benefit something is that, that you want to worth the push? Yeah. yeah you want to look at. I'm just more concerned about the taste. Well, they did taste it and they said that it did taste in, in almost every respect as it does normal pork, maybe a fattier strain of pork, they mm-hmm. said, but by and large, it tastes the same, much the same way as the impossible Whopper tasted like a regular Whopper. I think in the end, it all depends on how it's prepared, though. They're going to put a nice casino on this. Mm. You know, I would try it, but I would be a little nervous on using it, um, simply because, again, I, for one... I'm really dedicated to watching my salt intake. And I think that that's one thing that okay. because it's a culture we're so fixated on calories that we often forget that your salt level could be affected by that too. 
That's a good public service announcement. I, I respect that. That being said, all I care about is the taste. <laughs> if piggy squeal, piggy squeal. But I need to make sure, you know, the pig is squealing that, you know, the soybean. And that the soybean is a good representative because I understand about, you know, healthy diets. And um, because as we spoke of, the culture of pork and is, you know, is, as you would say, like the dirty meat, the other white meat, as you will. Um, you know, I know it's the breeder of 9,999 diseases, but at the same time, those who consume pork. I mean, yes, this is a healthy alternative, but, you know, for the people who really do like pork, I want to make sure that they're getting the true benefits of this. But, you know, it's not trading in like, you know, as you said, sodium and taste and consistency. Right. Although, uh, and I learned this recently, believe it or not, and I was surprised, pork is actually the world's most consumed meat. Did you know that? No, I did not. I'm completely, completely shocked. Yeah, because I know that there are a lot of traditions that restrict pork intake. Um, I I personally think part of that is probably my own family and their love of bacon. But, <laughs> but yeah, apparently pork is the most consumed um, meat source. So well, honestly, there's also me, you know, who also <laughs> just did like bacon wrapped a whole thing of chicken drums. Yeah, he, he made bacon wrapped chicken drums last night, which was hella good and now I'm feeling bad about it because I eat way too many of them. <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Dave. <laughs> I eat way too many of those. Um just to wrap things up, of course if possible pork wasn't the only food based item that they introduced. Mm-hmm. They had this one thing which I thought was bizarre where there's a startup that's called DNA Nudge. DNA Nudge. Yes. <laughs> so the idea behind DNA Nudge is you get this like they once they know what your DNA backup is, okay, okay, you get this like smartwatch type device that you wear and it'll actually tell you based on your DNA, should you eat that? Which I think is kind of creepy. (laughs) The idea that, you know, maybe I just want to try this ramen without you having to like, I don't know, tisk me or something. That is so bizarre, but yeah, that's a weird thing along with, they have something that's called a Smarty Pants. I'm sorry, repeat that again. It's called Smarty Pants. It's a smart frying pan and you use it to track nutritional values of your food. So basically it's a frying pan that's supposed to tell you if what you're about to prepare is healthy, which I think is stupid because no offense. I don't make a lot of fried foods, but when I want my cousin Verna's chicken and waffles and I make that buttermilk um, fried chicken, I know it's not the best thing to eat. That's why I don't eat it all the time. That's why it will take me forever to go through the Popeyes. I don't need the pan telling me. Yeah, I'm I'm more intrigued about how (laughs) the pan is going to tell me exactly how much um, sodium, how how many carbohydrates, how many like grams of fat. Everything I put in here does because I admit as a person who doesn't cook a whole lot, but cooks enough on term that when I stand in front of the the skillet pot, as you will, I kind of have this tendency to throw things in 
when I feel like it. Not to say, because I surely don't know everything that I throw in there, and not do I truly follow, like, every nutritional count. I, I do look at the, you know, the back of the box to, you know, know the sugars and carbohydrates, but past that, no, the grams of fat, yeah, the LDLs, the HDLs, yeah, the sodium, I admit, maybe I'm not the best at tracking, and I would be really intrigued to see if this contraption will be able to track it for me, because there's no, I'm telling you, I throw everything in there, I kind of throw it in, like, as you would say, like, you know, I, I throw enough seasoning in, um, to the point where I, I don't measure, I basically do it until, like, you know, the gods tell me it's time to stop. And, and that's the thing. I mean, it'd be kind of weird to tell. I don't know. I, I think a lot of that is. Also like butter. Subjective. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine it snitching on me when I make my pot pie? Because I'm sorry, I put butter in my pot pie. <laughs> I think one time when I did the recipe for my chicken pot pie on the Gourmet Goober website years ago, it was funny because I just, it's one of those recipes, I don't even need a recipe. I just make it up as I go along because I know what's in it. Mm -hmm. And I tried to really pay attention because you need measurements so people can know who's not you how to make it. And I was just like, you know what? I don't even know how much butter I put in this. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> I know it's not. <laughs> Especially if I make the crust from scratch. Yeah, I use butter. I mean, <laughs> and that's something you can't really quantify. And I mean, is it like for everyday cooking? Of course not. And I try to balance that with healthier dishes. But, you know, sometimes, especially the old school way, you know, if you put Crisco in your and shortening in your pie crust to make it flaky, yeah, it's, is the pan going to snitch on me every time I do that? Yeah, I can see that. Because I don't want yeah. my pan snitching on me. Yeah, I don't know if this uh, this pie or this skill is going to work for like, like, will the snitch on Paula Dean? Well, yeah, it'll probably blow up if it was Paula Dean's fan. I, I don't recommend her using That's it. That's why I need a skill that goes no moss. Mm -mm. <laughs> mm. Well, finally, the last thing I wanted to touch base on before we take a break is that the other consumer electronic thing that rolled out that wasn't food related, but it was just crazy enough that I thought that it, <laughs> we'd talk about it, is Charmin actually rolled out this technology where it is... When is the toilet tissue? Yes, the toilet tissue. They have something called the robot. It's a Bluetooth-enabled robot designed to deliver a fresh roll of toilet paper whenever you unexpectedly ruin out on the throne. Yes. <laughs> yes, queen. There's also something that they ruled out as well that's called smell sense. Smell sense? <laughs> which combines a fart sensor with an LED display. That alerts you to whether or not a bathroom is safe or toxic to enter. Not in my house. <laughs> so if if you don't have granddad from Friday telling you not to go in for 25, 25 minutes, you can just press a button and it'll tell you not to go in. I, oh I'm, my god. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanna see how it alerts you like like, you know, do you come out, does it give you a toxic Avenger waste warning, you know, like with the siren, like, you know, going off? There must be, like, different levels. Like, level one, maybe you should, like, hold your notes. And level 
too. It's like, dear Jesus, <laughs> stay away. <laughs> you just be like, oh, I need to open the window. It's like, okay, I need the alert where it says like, you know, what was it? Like, you know, uh, the warning labels, like, you know, for the, the government, like the, the terrorist warnings. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is a hazmat situation. <laughs> so instead of like levels, you have it like color levels, like what we do now, right? Now. Mm-hmm. So it's like level black, stay out of there. <laughs> yeah, we need like level, like, you know, burnt sienna orange. Like, burnt sienna orange, really? Well, it's like, okay. Maybe you should consider a vacation from your colon. <laughs> your colon needs a vacation. <laughs> so, so anyway. Um, That's right. I have the color scheme already set up. I would think that you would be more interested in the robot. I am interested in the robot. <laughs> I very much endorse the robot because, like Elaine from Seinfeld said, hey, Every once in a while, I can't spare a square. And I need to make sure I come into the bathroom and that there are squares for me to to partake of. Because there's nothing worse than going being in a restroom and running out of squares. And having to make the walk of shame to find a new roll That's of right. toilet paper. That waddle is real and it is not fun. So on that note, <laughs> now that we've potentially lost our audience... We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to close out our episode as we do every episode of The Gourmet Goober with the best thing we ate this week. So you're listening to The Gourmet Goober. We'll be right back. Burnt Santa Orange. (laughs) Hey, guys. This episode of The Gourmet Goober podcast is brought to you by Audible. And right now, listeners of The Gourmet Goober can get one free audiobook and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com backslash gourmet goober. I love Audible. I think I've talked to you guys on the podcast before about how I have this epic commute. And by epic, I mean up to two hours each way, you guys. And what makes it possible is Audible. And with over 180,000 titles to choose from, there's always something new and great to listen to. Like my new favorite, now I'm listening to an oldie but goodie, Succulent Wild Woman by Sark. So if you want to find your best life, listening to audiobooks in the car, on the train, or wherever, just go to audibletrial.com backslash gourmet goober. That's audibletrial.com backslash gourmet goober to get your free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Hey everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And you are listening to the Gourmet Goober. Welcome back. And we wanted to just wrap up today's podcast as we do every podcast where we share with you the best thing we ate this week. Although, to be honest, we've been gone for a while. So technically, it's the best thing we ate this break. (laughs) But we're happy to share some of the restaurants and, you know, just out of the way places that we really love. And as always, we put it in our show notes um, where you can find those restaurants if you're in the Chicagoland area. And let me just say, not only are they always in Chicago, because I think that one time, that one place in Philadelphia that you told me about the pizza place. Oh, that was in D.C. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we'll put it in the show notes. Hopefully you can find it at something equivalent in your hometown. But if you come to Chicago, 
aka Harry and Megan, <laughs> you can come and get our recommendations of what we truly love in the Windy City and beyond. Um, before we do that, I wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a really, really cool um, place that I think that everyone should know. Um, as I think I've said on the podcast many times, I work for a nonprofit that works for empowering women, particularly women and men who have escaped violence. And there was this one particular business that I got familiar with that actually made this super cool donation. And so I loved it so much. I told them I'd talk about it on the podcast. It's called the Cocoa Butter Shop. And it is a woman-owned, um, person of color, Black-owned business. Um, it started off as a t-shirt shop where she gives out really great clothing um, in order to um, express women empowerment. But then she has this really cool thing that I really love. It's called the Bloom Box. So what it is, is that if you go to the CocoButterShop.com and check out the Bloom Box, every um, season they have a donation that they make where it's this beautiful box and it's kind of like a, a one box self-care kit, if you will. So it has candles, it has a journal, it has personal affirmations, and it has this beautiful bloom of live flowers included with it, right? Okay. So people can go to this website, purchase the box, and it gets donated um, to a charity of choice. And I just thought that was so brilliant. I loved it so much. I told her that I would tell all my listeners about it. So you can check it out. It's the CocoButterShop.com. And again, thank you to everyone at the Cocoa Butter Shop for just introducing me to this really hip place. And by the way, um, I thought one of my goals for 2020 is to really highlight um, small businesses host, um, owned by historically marginalized populations who may not get their shine and put them on the podcast. So if you know of a business that you wanted to highlight, email me at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com and I may mention on a future podcast. So now back to the best thing we ate this week. <laughs> now that I got that shout out of the way. I'm and still here. We want to start with Big Daddy and share what's the best thing you ate during our break? I don't know. I'm still working on the fact that this place is called Cocoa Butter. Do they give you lotion? <laughs> I don't actually think they do. Do you give you actual cocoa <laughs> butter? Well, no, but you know what? You can get some stuff that has some really good um, products and t-shirt. Um, so if you're like us and are proud and standing in your melanin, you can kind of share that um, for the world to see. But I love it because a lot of her t-shirts are about self-love. Okay. So there's one that I'm actually thinking of getting. It's self-love or no love. There's one that's pretty brown um, t-shirt. Um, and the whole idea is just loving yourself. And we all know living in this world, especially in 2020, where there's so many things that are targeting against women, really, and men too, loving themselves. The idea that there is something that you can personally do for yourself in order to encourage that um, so you can face a new day. I love that idea. So, yeah. But no, no cocoa butter. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I believe in, you know, loving myself, but sometimes I need to love myself with some cocoa butter because I'm ashy. Dude, I could hook you up with some cocoa butter, okay? <laughs> I know. Crisco doesn't count. 
dude, really? <laughs> I try. But I think you're stalling. What was the best thing you ate during the break? Okay, so the best thing I ate during the break was, weirdly enough, during New Year's Eve on a short little trip because I actually had to work on New Year's Eve. So I, when the bell rang, or sorry, the when everyone was in festival, I was just trying to get home safely. But weirdly enough, the best thing I ate was a place that the Gourmet Goober actually took me to uh, for the first time. It was called the Halal Guys. And it was a random shop that sells, of all things, uh, euros for the people in the hood. Sometimes we reference it as gyros. gyros. <laughs> That's right. I grew up knowing it as gyros. I was educated by the Gourmet Goober and other places, as they call it, Euros. But yes, they had a lovely selection of Euros. They make them quick, fast, and in a hurry. It was just off of Washington and Wabash in Chicago in the loop. It was uh, a nice filling lunch uh, getaway and a nice little nook. Uh, I don't know how long they've been open, but trust me, it was well worth the, uh, the trip. And well worth the uh, the good lunchtime uh, fare. So that was the best thing I ate during the break. That is so awesome. And the Halal guys, they have locations everywhere. In fact, I know that I think they started in New York City. Okay. So I will put that information in the show notes. So if you wanted to find your own location, you can check it out. But yeah, that's kind of one of my um, faves when I want to get euros or... Um, even they have like this Yodel bowl. So if you want to go without the fala- um the pita, not the mm-hmm. falafel, but the pita, um, you can get it in the bowl style. But yeah, I'm glad you like it. It's really yummy, isn't it? I was definitely impressed. Awesome. Well, my favorite place, <laughs> I actually just had it on Saturday. Um, and it's a place in Chicago. Although you can find it in Canada. In fact, I think they originated in Canada and they're at different locations throughout um, North um, America is a place called Kenton Ramen. Kenton Ramen. Yes. And I think I've talked on the show before. In fact, I think the last place I recommended was a ramen place because I really love Tonkatsu Ramen. And if you've never had ramen, and I'm not talking about the packet of like, you know, dried noodles and like very salty soup based that you got for like 25 cents when you're in college. But I'm talking about real ramen with like the thick broth and everything. Mm-hmm. Then you owe it to yourself to try um, ramen in a restaurant. There's usually a lot of places in Chicago that I really like to go to. One of my faves being strings. And I think I've talked about that before. But let me tell you how I got introduced to Kenton, because this is crazy. So Saturday morning, I get up, I go through my routine. I happen to flip on the news, and I see Chef Aki-san, who is the chef of the new Kenton Ramen restaurant in Chicago. He was actually doing a demonstration of making ramen on television, and he was just so over the top, just like in your face and vibrant and just loving what he's doing. I'm like, man, before the day is out. I'm trying that ramen. 
And so as luck would have it, I had to go into the city in order to do something for work. And I had a couple hours to kill before the next train. And so I found my way over to um, the restaurant. I believe it's in Lincoln Park, but I'll put the address in the show notes. Let me tell you, that food was everything. And you want to know what makes it so great? What's that? There's different types of broth that you can get um, for ramen. So there's like a miso base. There's a um, there's usually like a soy sauce base. But then chunkansu, which I've mentioned before, that's kind of like the pork broth. And it's really thick and it's creamy and it's flavorful. So the way they do it at Kenton, there's two types of broth you can get. You can either get several types of pork broth or you can get several types of chicken broth. So you can choose more than just one type of tonkatsu. And the way he layers it, it's that he blends in seamlessly the miso, or you can get like one that's like tonkatsu and soy base and shoyu base and things like that. And when I tell you that broth was everything, that broth was everything. I seriously, every time I, I had a little bit of the broth, my face must have lit up because a new person came by and they're like, Oh my gosh, so you really enjoyed it that much? I'm like, yes. I got my whole life from that bowl of ramen. Did you have another snipples moment when you were like Yes, I did. Loading? Okay. <laughs> so honestly, I cannot recommend it enough. Um and they've only been open for two months and I got to meet Chef Akisan, by the way, who's super cool. Um, I got to see him in action rather. And Again, that was just like a treat for me. So it's my new fave. Try the ramen. They have several types to choose from. By the way, they also have a gyoza, um, like a fried gyoza. That's like their dumpling. That is just heaven sent as well. Hmm. So, yeah. um, Kenton ramen is definitely the best thing I ate my whole break. (laughs) That's pretty good. Today's revelation. Yes. I never had a single thing of ramen until I met you. Until I started dating you. Never had ramen through five years of college. Which is a shock because I didn't think you could get out of Ball State without having ramen at least once. <laughs> no, I got through on bologna sandwiches and love. Dude, let me tell you. Remember that one time in college where I had like that Thanksgiving dinner before we all left for break? And I got like five different ramen dishes from my floor. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I've I've eaten a lot of ramen. But I tell you, Kenton ramen beats them all. So if you're in the Chicago area, if if you're in an area um, where Kenton is near you, again, they started off in Canada. So for our Canadian listeners, and I know we have quite a few, check out and see if you have a Kenton ramen in your area. Totally worth it. And dude. Get the pork broth if you can, because it is everything. Get some good ramen, eh? Yes. So we just want to thank everybody. I guess that's the end of the Gourmet Goober podcast. Let me just say for new listeners, our podcast is usually not this long, but it's supersized because we've been gone for a month almost. But um, again, you can find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw and on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Where can they find you? Uh, once again, you can find me on Twitter at T outlaw T the O the U the T the L the A <laughs> T outlaw and on Instagram at T outlaw Josie Wells like the Clint Eastwood movie. Yes, you're welcome. Boom. 
So for everyone, the Gourmet Goober, thanks for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks with a whole new episode. Thanks again. Until next time, happy eating. Happy eating.